This is the IDP After Show. Welcome back to Johnny the Greek's Cornerback Corner. This is the audio edition for week 15. How's everybody doing? Happy holidays. Hope everyone had a good week 14 and that most of you, if not all of you, wrapped up some playoff berths and hopefully some first round buys. Those are always nice to get to enjoy that while others are in a monkey knife fight, so to speak. But yeah, I got you covered for the cornerback streams. Let's get into it. Let's talk about what we got going on for week 15. There's a lot to cover this week, so apologies in advance. This might be a little bit longer than usual, but just want to make sure we cover all the bases and get you absolutely ready to get into playoffs this week and do some damage. Alrighty, we will start with some transparency, as is tradition, looking backwards at week 14. So last week, I had 70 adjusted calls, 77 originally. Seven of those were either inactive or injured. I was 80% accurate on those calls. We had two teams on by last week. We had a 53% massive hit rate last week. We are 81% accurate for the season with a 47% massive hit rate for the season. So continuing to look very good in regards to accuracy. Let's have a look at last week's cornerbacks, ones and twos, likely cornerback ones and twos and dart throws from week 14. So Kenny Moore got past his projection. DJ Reed doubled his projection. Nate Hobbs was under projection. Razul Douglas was under projection. Trent McDuffie doubled his projection. Darius Slay doubled his projection. Deron Bland got past his projection. And Roger McCreary almost doubled his projection. In regards to dart throws last week, Brandon Stevens got past projection. Tyreek Stevenson doubled his projection. Kyler Gordon was under projection, and Dante Jackson was under projection. However, Sauce Gardner doubled projection. Byron Murphy got past his. Devin Witherspoon was injured. We'll talk about that in a bit. Legereus Sneed got past his projection. Teron Johnson got past his. And Jaquan McMillian tripled his projection. So last week, audio recommendations, there were 18 total. 13 of those were correct. Six of those 13 that were correct were massive hits. We had one injury with Witherspoon and four legitimate misses. So looking pretty good for audio transparency as well. Let's move on. All right, let's start by looking at the best matchups for week 15 and also the worst matchups and also some matchups that we like one side rather than the other. Starting with the best. So Commanders at Rams is the first matchup I like quite a bit this week for cornerback streaming. This is an indoor game that is becoming more and more important as we get into mid-December and January football. Weather is really starting to become a problem. We saw that in some of the games last week. It's affecting pass offense. So if we can remove that that from the equation, it helps us quite a bit. And we've got that here with Commanders at Rams. We've got a 46 and a half point over under, which is excellent. The commander's passing offense is within the top third of the league. The commanders are the number one overall team for wide receiver targets. The Rams are right next to the commanders within the top third of the league for passing offense. And they are the fourth overall team in the league for wide receiver targets. So just a really good recipe here with commanders at Rams. Neither defense is all that spectacular also. So 
we should see a, a pretty good back and forth affair here and plenty of completed passes, which is what we need for good cornerback streaming. So I like that one quite a bit. I also like Cowboys at Bills. Unfortunately, this is outdoors in Buffalo, so weather could be a factor. But Vegas doesn't seem to think so so far. They've got a 49-point over-under for this game, which is massive. That's awesome. The Cowboys are the third-best passing attack in the league. They are sixth-best for wide receiver targets. That's beautiful. The Bills are the fifth-best passing attack in the league. They are 13th for wide receiver targets, but that's okay. We know they're more than capable of completing passes. We've, we've just got a really excellent week for Deron Bland, Razul Douglas, Teron Johnson, Stephon Gilmore, those guys. And it, it works out well because we're going to need everything we can get this week with fantasy playoffs on the table. So those are the two I like as kind of like ideal matchups to stream from. There are a few that we want one side. So the first one would be, we want the Vikings side of Vikings-Bengals. So Jake Browning is a younger, hotter, better Joe Burrow. He's averaging 25 completions a game over the past two games. The Bengals have a top 10 and have had a top 10 wide receiver targets ranking all season. That has not moved since Jake Browning got here. We have great options in Minnesota to begin with, with Byron Murphy and a Caleb Evans. So I think we're looking really good there for the Vikings side of this up against the Bengals and Jake Browning, who's just absolutely on fire right now. I also like the Jets side of Jets at Dolphins. We, we literally just saw this like two or three weeks ago, right? And what when we saw this matchup last time, we saw that Sauce and DJ Reed absolutely feasted. They had a great game. So the Dolphins are the best passing attack in the league. They have the fifth best wide receiver targets ranking. And it looks like that Tyreek Hill injury wasn't too bad at all. He should be okay this week. Uh, you know, he's able to return to that game and catch a few more balls. So I think we're looking okay there. Just beautiful setup for DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner in that one. I also like the Seahawks side of Eagles at Seahawks. So the Eagles are within the top third of the league for passing offense. They are only middle of the pack for wide receiver targets. But when we really like dive in and look at that and zoom in a little bit, we see that 228 of the 260 total wide receiver targets that the Eagles have attempted this season have gone to either A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith, which means that the guys covering them, Tariq Woolen, Devin Witherspoon, should have tons of value. And frankly, that's all we care about, right? No one is really eyeing Trey Brown or any of those guys, you know, Artie Burns or anyone like that and going, ooh, I got to start him this week. There's none of that, right? We want Woolen, we want Witherspoon, and they've got really good setups this week, both of them. So I think we're looking good there. Some of the worst matchups this week include Falcons at Panthers. This has only got a 35 point over under, which is pretty low. That's not great. The Falcons passing attack is within the worst third of the league. They are dead last for wide receiver targets. So that is not good for our Panthers. On the other side of that, the Panthers have the 30th overall passing attack in the league, and they're only middle of the pack for wide receiver targets. So just not a good mix right there at all. Bryce Young hasn't been north of 20 completions since week 10 at Chicago. So he is really, really struggling. And this is also an outdoor game in Carolina, so that doesn't help. So not a fan of that one. Also not a fan of 49ers at Cardinals. And people are going to think I'm a little nutty for this, but you know, let's get into it a little bit. 
So this does have a 47 point over under. However, when we, you know, really look at this thing, Arizona is the 29th overall passing offense. They are within the worst third of the league for wide receiver targets. So, you know, 49ers corners are not in for a good game with that in mind. The 49ers, however, are the seventh best passing attack in the league. You would think on paper, that's perfect. That's what we want to go up against. But when we really look at that, we see that they are 31st in the league for wide receiver targets, and they accomplish most of their scoring with chunk plays. So Purdy rarely is north of 20 completed passes a game. A typical wide receiver stat line for Debo or Ayuk looks something like this. Four catches, 116 yards, two touchdowns. That's just a random Debo Samuel stat line I pulled out as an example here. But they all look like that. These guys aren't catching 11, 12, 15 balls a game. They're catching four or five, if we're lucky, six, and housing one of them for a touchdown. And that's where all the scoring is happening. There aren't enough completed passes that Purdy, Purdy is completing for us to effectively stream corner against the 49ers. So, you know, an initial kind of look at this, it looks okay. It looks like you might want some Cardinals corners, but when we really zoom in on it, it's not that great. So this is not a good matchup. I will not be targeting it. Beyond that, we've got all kinds of shenanigans in the Cardinals cornerback core right now. We'll talk about that later, but yep, not a fan of that matchup. All right, some guys I like this week as likely cornerback ones or twos include Byron Murphy up against Cincinnati. Uh, So Cincinnati has great wide receiver weapons all over the place. They've got the third best in the league wide receiver targets ranking. Jake Browning is absolutely on a tear. He has been a monster the last couple weeks, and that's exactly what we're looking for. We want to go up against a hot quarterback that's completing a lot of passes. And we've got really good options with Byron Murphy to begin with. So I like that quite a bit. I also like DJ Reed up against the Dolphins and their number one overall passing attack. Dolphins are fifth in the league for wide receiver targets. So really good setup for DJ Reed this week. I think Benjamin St. Juice gets right back on track after missing projection for the first time this entire season. The week before last for Washington, commanders were on by last week. So St. Juice is up against the Rams, who are within the top third of the league for overall passing offense, and they are the fourth best team in the league for wide receiver targets. So very good setup for Mr. St. Juice to kind of get a new hot streak going. Another likely cornerback one or two this week is Deron Bland of Dallas up against the Bills. Deron Bland has been spectacular basically regardless almost this entire season. He's got a great setup this week on top of that with the Bills coming to town, or rather Dallas going to their town. But the Bills have the fifth best passing attack in the league. They're 13th for wide receiver targets. They need to compete. They need to win to stay in the playoff hunt. And we know Dallas can score points in droves. Dallas has been averaging something like 40 points a game for the past month or so. So the Bills are going to have to pass. They are going to have to complete passes. That puts Deron Bland in a great situation to have a good week this week. So I like him quite a bit. I also like Razul Douglas on the other side of that for the Bills up against the Cowboys. Cowboys have the third best passing attack in the game. They are sixth overall for wide receiver targets. That puts Razul Douglas in a very good setup for this week. And then my final cornerback one or two for this week would be Devin Witherspoon up against the Eagles. Eagles are within the top third of the league for overall passing offense. 
they are only middle of the pack for wide receiver targets. But we talked about that earlier. That's kind of a like a mirage, right? We don't care about those, you know, 20, 30 targets that go to, you know, Julio Jones or whatever, right? We're looking at who's covering Devonta Smith, who's covering A.J. Brown, and the vast majority of those wide receiver targets are going to those two guys. Witherspoon will be responsible for one or the other. So we're looking good. He should be heavily involved this week, no doubt. All righty, let's look at some dart throws for week 15. First one I like, and I don't know how much we, we can call this a dart throw, but Nate Hobbs, who had a rare under-projection week last week, he, he missed by about a tackle, is going up against a backup quarterback with Easton Stick and the Chargers. You know, this would be worrying, except it's Nate Hobbs. Nate Hobbs is fine, usually, regardless. And, you know, the Chargers still have weapons. It's still an indoor game. It's still got a decent over-under. It's not like the Raiders' pass rush is the greatest thing ever. Yes, they've got Max Crosby, and he's awesome. But that's all they've got, right? So I'm foreseeing enough passing offense here from the Chargers to feed Nate Hobbs. Plus, he always gets run-stopping tackles anyway. So I I think he's going to be fine, especially just as a dart throw this week. On the other side of that matchup, I like Asante Samuel Jr. up against the Raiders. The Raiders are only middle of the pack for both their overall passing offense and for their wide receiver targets. But Asante Samuel Jr. is going to be heavily involved in defending either Devontae Adams or Jacoby Myers just by process of elimination. He is the sole survivor. Every other cornerback in on the Chargers has been displaced or demoted at some point this season. Michael Davis, gone. Dean Leonard, gone. Jasir Taylor, gone. Isang Bassey, gone, right? All these guys have either lost their job and then regained it or, or been demoted and never heard from again, right? It has been a constant flux for the Chargers cornerback core for everyone except Asante Samuel Jr. He has been the guy that that has been really, he's been good regardless, but he's been good enough to remain a starter through all that shenanigans this entire season. So I think that bodes well for him. And he should be, you know, plenty busy with Devontae Adams or Jacoby Myers this week. So I like that as a dart throw. I also like, excuse me, I also like uh, a Caleb Evans of the Vikings up against the Bengals for the exact same reasons as we talked about with Byron Murphy. I like Kenny Moore up against Pittsburgh as a dart throw. Uh, the, The Steelers passing attack is really bad, uh, but Kenny Moore gets it done regardless, right? If we look at his stats this year, he's hit his projection in 11 of 14 games with seven massive hits so far this season. You know, that's pretty good. That That is pretty good, and it shows that matchup isn't everything with Kenny Moore. He is good enough talent-wise to get around that sometimes. So I'm hoping that's the case this week against Pittsburgh. Another dart throw I like is Sauce Gardner up against the Dolphins. Same exact reasons as DJ Reed. It's the best overall passing attack. They target their wide receivers a ton, fifth most overall. So Sauce should be pretty busy this week. I also like Kendall Fuller of the Commanders up against the Rams. We talked about why with Benjamin St. Just, so same reasoning here. The only reason Kendall Fuller is a dart throw and not a cornerback one or two is he's a little bit less productive week to week. He is a little bit more consistent, though, career, lifetime-wise, when compared to St. Juice. So I think he, he's in for a good week as well. Another few dart throws here. I like Stefan Gilmore 
up against the Bills. We talked about this with Deron Bland. The Bills have the fifth best passing attack in the league, 13th best for wide receiver targets. That's a good setup for Stephon Gilmore. I believe he actually led the Cowboys in combined tackles last week too, so he's on a little mini hot streak himself. On the other side of that, I like Teron Johnson of the Bills up against the Cowboys. Cowboys have the third best passing attack, sixth best in the league for wide receiver targets. I like Tariq Woolen up against the Eagles. Same reasons as Devon Weatherspoon. He's going to be responsible for A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith, one or the other, and those guys get absolutely peppered with targets. So that means Tariq Willen will be pretty busy and heavily involved. So that's a good setup for him. And my final dart throw for Week 15 is Darius Slay up against the Seahawks. The Seahawks are within the top third of the league for overall passing offense, and they have the 10th best wide receiver targets ranking. And Slay has been excellent all season. So good setup on top of an already good option to begin with. We like that quite a bit around these parts. All right, let's pick it up with some bad ideas that might seem good, week 15 edition. And this is a little bit more of the same. I'm going to talk about this uh, again, slightly different approach this time, but I keep seeing this, so we got to keep talking about it. So Jerry Jacobs, Legereus Sneed, and their projections. These projections are just as bloated and dangerous as my lower intestines after Taco Bell. Jerry, Jacob, Jerry Jacobs is not going to hit 18 points. That's what he's got for projection in most of my leagues against the 26th overall passing attack in the league that only target their wide receivers 30th most in the league. That's the third worst in the entire league. And they think Jerry Jacobs is going to get 18 points against that passing attack. For reference, 18 points in these leagues I'm talking about is like eight combined tackles in a pass defense. There's no way. There's no way. So it's another inaccurate, bloated projection that has no chance of coming true, and people are absolutely going to fall for it this week, plug in Jerry Jacobs, and assume they're going to have you know, these massive numbers. It's the same thing with Legereus Sneed. So Legereus Sneed has a 19-point projection in most of my leagues. And he's up against the Patriots, who are rolling out another backup quarterback this week. That's a possibility. Regardless, all their quarterbacks are terrible. They're 23rd in the league for overall passing offense. They're also 23rd in the league for wide receiver targets. There's no way. There's just no way. I I mean, you know, something crazy could happen. Sneed or Jacobs could get a pick six, and that'll take care of their projection right there. But we never count on those things. We never bet on those things. We always are planning on combined tackle floor and pass defense because we can somewhat predict when those things are going to happen if there are certain factors in place that we look for every week, right? And those factors are not in place for Jerry Jacobs or Legereus Sneed this week. So buyer beware. Their projections are really out of whack, especially this week. So, you know, don't fall for it. Or, Or if you do, don't expect to get what, you know, sleeper or my fantasy league or yahoo is telling you you're gonna get because it's probably not gonna happen so just wanted to mention that all righty let's move on to miscellaneous notes for week 15 we got quite a few as is tradition first things first so with devin witherspoon getting that hip pointer i believe it was last week we saw that michael jackson was his direct replacement we've now seen that for both devin witherspoon and Tariq woolen that makes me feel a lot better about it in general, right? It's kind of showing us that the preferred 
replacement, the, the preferred first replacement for the Seahawks is Michael Jackson if any of their starters go down in regards to their cornerback core. So, so if Witherspoon cannot play this week, if that hip pointer is going to make him inactive, Michael Jackson is not a terrible idea up, up against the Eagles, which, you know, helps quite a bit. So just thought I'd mention that. That's not a terrible idea if you need it. And Devin Witherspoon is inactive this week, which I certainly hope he's not. We need him. That's for sure. Also, uh, Tyson Campbell was not able to play last week. He had just returned from a multi-week injury the week before, got a different injury a couple weeks ago, and then sat out last week. So, you know, doesn't look likely for him this week either. They do have the Ravens, which is not a great setup to begin with. So we could just skip Tyson Campbell this week and hopefully get him back fully healthy the week after for the title push. Uh, Okay, so over in Buffalo, cornerback three is not set in stone. It looked like it was Dane Jackson. But Christian Benford was the starter there as cornerback three last week while Dane Jackson was healthy. So that tells me that we have no idea who who it is beyond Teron Johnson and Razul Douglas. So if it's not Douglas, if it's not Johnson, you shouldn't be trusting it, especially this week with uh, fantasy playoffs, you know, on the docket. Uh, Over in Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals have had almost, with the exception of Garrett Williams, who only plays about 60% of snaps, two entirely different cornerback groups the last two games. So no one is safe currently. I would avoid all of the Arizona Cardinals this week. I have no earthly idea who's going to play cornerback for the Cardinals this week. If I had to guess, I'd say Garrett Williams will be cornerback three at around 60% of snaps. I think Kytrell Clark is back as a starter. They, they they know their season is over with. They want to get film on the rookie. So I feel pretty good, good about those two. And I think Antonio Hamilton will probably be the third corner. But that is not set in stone. That is not even close to set in stone. It is extremely risky. It is definitely a rug pull situation. So I would stay away from it. Plus, they got the 49ers. We talked about that uh, a little bit earlier. It's not a great setup to begin with. All right, moving on. So in regards to the Chiefs, so Kansas City is the sixth best passing attack in the league. That is true. However, they are 21st for wide receiver targets now. That ranking, after cracking the top 10 about a month ago, has slowly fallen backwards, and we can see why. Anyone that watched that game last week knows that the Chiefs wide receiver core is anything but inspiring, right? They're not inspiring trust. They're not good. Right. If I was Patrick Mahomes, I wouldn't target those guys either. So what on paper looks like a pretty decent setup for the Patriots is is really not right. If I had to guess, I would say it's a whole bunch of Travis Kelsey targets, uh, a smattering of wide receiver targets in some throws to uh, McKinnon or Pacheco out of the backfield. So not what we're looking for in regards to a setup for Patriots corners. I would steer clear of them this week. Uh, over in Tennessee, so Christian Fulton was inactive last week. When that happens, we traditionally get Elijah Molden. We did get some Elijah Molden last week. I believe it was like 25% of snaps worth. But we got Trey Avery instead as the kind of direct replacement, full-time starter type replacement. So that that's not good. That's not good timing on that. What that means for us is if it's not Sean Murphy bunting, or Roger McCreary, when Christian Fulton is inactive, 
then we should skip it. We should stay away from it because now is not the time to screw around with any of this stuff. We had the past 14 weeks to screw around and try things and take risks and take shots and try and hit a home run or get a kill shot. We had you know, 14 weeks of that. It's all over now. It, all that's over and done with. Winning in the playoffs is about not beating yourself as the first thing and then you know several other things after. I'll get on the soapbox and talk about that in a few minutes here. But short version, Christian Fulton, if he's inactive again this week, I'm not sure who the replacement is. It could be Trey Avery. It could be Elijah Molden. I'm not sure, so I would just steer clear. Okay, last week we talked about J.C. Horn coming back from a multi-week injury. He only played 52% of snaps last week, or sorry, two weeks ago. He was up to 100% of snaps last week, so excellent, excellent news there. He is back to being a full-time starter. Him and Dante Jackson are our two options in Carolina. Some worrying news here. So Brian Branch, who is a cornerback in some places, he's a safety in most places, but there are some sites that have him designated as a corner, only played 52% of snaps last week. That's just over half. That's not good. So I talked to Macri about this at PFF underscore Macri on Twitter, you know, PFF IDP analyst, you know, knows his stuff, right? There are very few people that, that when I'm stumped on something, you know, I, I take their opinion as gospel. Macri is one of them for sure, right? So he told me that there was a specific game plan in place that was used exclusively when the Bears were in 11 personnel. That's what he saw on film when they were looking at this for PFF. So it looks like Branch was used in this crazy game plan to try and slow down the Bears and didn't didn't work out, first of all. And second of all, I cut his playing time in half, which is not good. So hopefully he returns to his normal role and more importantly, his normal playing time. But right now it's risky and it's not set in stone. If this is something they're going to keep doing going forward, we just can't start him, right? You can't start Brian Branch playing half the snaps. That's crazy. So, you know, this week will tell the tale. The problem is this week is fantasy playoffs. So if, if I'm confronted with something like this, I'm just benching him. I'm not screwing around with it. I will find someone else. I am not going to hope that he gets back up to 100% of snaps. And if I'm wrong, I play a guy that only plays half the snaps when if I lose, I'm out for good and it's over. I'm not, I'm not doing that. So, you know, just, just thought I'd throw it out there. Not great news. We'll see what happens this week. If you can, you know, bench Brian Branch this week, especially in a cornerback slot and go with someone different. That's what I would do. And then we'll see what happens this week. We'll circle back next week and see how it went. Alrighty. And then last but not least, or yep, yep, last but not least. So I, I did mention this earlier, but Asante Samuel Jr. is the only safe corner for the Chargers right now. Michael Davis displaced Dean Leonard again last week. So that's now been five or six weeks in a row that it's gone you know, Michael Davis, then Dean Leonard, then Michael Davis, then Dean Leonard, then Michael Davis, then Dean Leonard, right? It's literally been back and forth every other week. Plus, earlier this year, we saw Jasir Taylor get displaced by Isang Bassi. And even before that, we saw Jasir Taylor displace JC Jackson. So, you know, all kinds of shenanigans in Los Angeles for the Chargers. 
the only safe cornerback is Asante Samuel Jr. for the Chargers right now. All right, and we'll get out of here on this. Just a quick playoff message to everybody. So just some just some things that I, I thought would be worth mentioning as someone that's done this, you know, going on 22 years now overall, year 21 for IDP, you know, we're working on like 60 titles or something. I don't know. It's insane. Like, I've, I've done this for two decades. I've been all the way in since I started. I've forgotten more about this stuff than most people will ever know. So that, that's not me being an a-hole. That's telling you guys the truth. I, I take all my hobbies too far, and, and I've taken this one way too far. So just some things that I've learned over the years, right? So use your matchup to guide your moves, right? If you're projected to win by a ton, and you know, you're the first seed and you're up against the eighth seed this week, and you're supposed to just smash him, use that to guide your moves, right? You don't need kill shots. You don't need home runs. You don't need risky plays when you're supposed to win by a lot, right? Go for a safer floor in a situation like that. And vice versa, too. If you're in a matchup that you have, you know, it doesn't look like much shot of winning, that's when you go for those kill shots. That's when you go for those risky moves and hope it works out. But you don't need to be doing that type of stuff when you're supposed to win to begin with, right? That's that's something I see all the time where people don't use their matchup to guide their moves and they end up doing unnecessarily risky things that they didn't need to do in the first place. And it sometimes makes them lose. So just, you know, something I thought I'd mention there. Uh, be prepared, right? There is There are very few things we can we can control ourselves in fantasy football. The things that we do have control over, you should exert your control over. Be prepared. Do your waivers every week. Tinker all week. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Check those transactions. See if someone dropped a guy that you think is going to have a good week or be a good value going forward. And most importantly, set alarms for inactives for all the games. I do that every single week for every single slate of games. I've got my alarms that go off 90 minutes before kickoffs, excuse me, before kickoff. That's when the inactives drop. I check inactives. I make sure that I'm not going to eat a zero. That's something you can control by simply putting in a little bit of effort and being a little bit prepared. And that prevents you from eating a zero that you don't necessarily need to eat in the first place. All right, another couple things here. So factor injury risk into your decisions. We talked about this a little bit earlier. So Tyson Campbell is great, but he spent half the season inactive, right? Would you want to trust someone like that in fantasy playoff week when, you know, it's for all the marbles? I wouldn't, right? You want to trust someone that you know will play and you know will play every snap instead of, you know, making a risky move based off of, of you know, an inaccurate projection or, or some other person's projection, you know, don't beat yourself. Make the opponent beat you. That, that's half the battle. I see guys beat themselves all the time. You, you don't want to be that guy, right? You must become like a zombie. They need to kill you. They need to cut your head off to make sure you're really gone. Do everything in your power to be prepared. And then, you know, if the fantasy gods decide against you with all that having been done, then it is what it is. It's fair and square. And, you know, you did everything you could to help yourself win. And, you know, if you lose in that case, then it is what it is, right? At least you can feel good that it was, you know, an honest loss and you didn't do it to yourself. So 
you know, sometimes I feel like I'm harping on this stuff a little bit, but you know, I'm in like 40, 50 leagues. I see it all the time. I see it every single week. So just figured I'd mention it. And, and I don't want it to happen to you guys. You know, I, I want you guys to win. I really do. Woo. All right. Definitely losing my voice with this episode. A lot of stuff we crammed in here. All right. But that is pretty much it. That is what I've got for week 15. Just a quick reminder to any LA or California listeners, don't forget about the Touchdown Hoedown. It is every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time at the Desert 5 Spot. That's at 6516 Selma Avenue in Hollywood, California. For details, contact at Lamont 562. That's at L-A-M-0-N-T 562 on Twitter for details. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been a hell of a ride. It really has. It's been a crazy 14 weeks, but we're here. We're at Fantasy Playoffs, and you know it's for all the marbles now. So let's go get those titles. And, uh, you know, yeah, let's get them. Thank you all for listening. Good luck this week. I'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Take care. Bye-bye. This was the IDP After Show. Mm -hmm.